What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. The way I see it, I'm Robbie Riggs, as always. For anyone who's new, I'm the host of this podcast slash show. So today, I have such an amazing, amazing episode for y'all. I am so proud of it. So this episode is going to be a chat with one of my amazing actor, voice actor friends named... Uh, Lex Zorn, that is his stage name, Lex Zorn. <laughs> so Lex Zorn is basically an actor, a voice actor, he does commercials. He's been in a film known as The Listening Jar, for anyone who wants to look it up, it's called The Listening Jar. And he's just an all-around amazing, amazing guy. And we chat about various different topics such as acting, emotional impacts of acting, his childhood, all that fun stuff. I don't want to give too much away, so without further ado, enjoy today's episode. Record. Voiceover muted. Alright, so on the show today, we have one of the most talented men I ever met in this voice acting industry that I'm love so much and such a such a wonderful inspiration to me and uh without further ado i'd like to welcome lex Orn to the show welcome man welcome to the you're the first guest on the way i see it so all right well thank you very much it's great to be here and uh, i'm honored to, to be your first guest awesome awesome so let's dive in let's just dive right in um Tell me about what what got you started in the acting field. What was the main um, what was the main uh, inspiration for it? Well, um, I had been a musician for many years. I come from a long line of musicians on both sides of my family, especially my mother's side. Um, and then in the early two thousands, my brother Robert McAtee um, became a Hollywood actor. Had a little bit of success. He was on a few major TV shows, uh, CSI Miami. Um, Days of Our Lives, Two Broke Girls, you know, doing little bit and extra parts, and also starred in a few independent movies, including one that he made himself called Trail of Crumbs, which is a great movie. And seeing what he was doing got me interested in getting into film. And at that time, I already, I already had two young children, and I was already in my mid to late 30s. Uh, so I decided I did not want to try moving in L.A., but I looked around to see if there was a film scene here in my area here in Indiana. And, and there, there was a little bit of one, and I started getting involved with it and then started branching out with other parts of the Midwest. And that went on uh, for most of um, the last decade. And then I decided that I wanted to take a shot at voice acting as well, you know, see how I did with that. And I thought maybe that would be a great way to supplement my career. And now for about the last year and a half, I've just been getting voiceover gigs like crazy. And I've been doing that actually a lot more than on screen acting. Uh, so yeah, voice acting has just become, you know, something that I've, I've been immersed with for about a year and a half now. And, you know, I'm having a great time with it. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I mean, any I think like any sort of artistry or any sort of thing like that is it's really cool to get into. And 
for those of you who are thinking of, you know, being creative and getting into the voice act acting industry, you know, me and Lex so highly encourage you to do it because it's very freeing. It's very, very heartwarming and you don't need a very special degree or education for it, do you? No, no, you don't need any particular education to do it. Um, now there are uh, voice acting instructors out there and I don't discourage people from uh, going to one, although I never have. I've never taken any kind of training for acting of any kind. Um, and I just think there are a lot of roads up the mountain. Well, I know there are a lot of roads up the mountain. And perhaps acting lessons can benefit some people, and maybe they could benefit me. I don't know, but I just have never taken lessons. I've simply practiced a lot and figured out, you know, things that work well that help me act better and it's something that's that, that I think has helped me gradually improve you know for all the years I've been doing it yeah absolutely and you you're never perfect like with any art you're never one you never feel 100% perfect do you I mean it's it's kind of like one of those things where when you think it's not good it actually is good yeah and I think you know balance is important in life in general and for those of us who work in the arts, you know, it, it's important that we have balance in the way we perceive ourselves. I think um, some actors have an unrealistically low opinion of their acting and then some have an unrealistically high opinion of it. And I try to see, um, with, with everything, you know, I try to see the good with the bad. Um, and I hope I'm not fooling myself. I think that. I am a good, um, I think I'm a good assessor of how good my performances are. And um, what what's happened with me over the years in acting is that, um, you know, I've, I've continued to um, take more chances and do more things to get me out of my comfort zone. And I think it's, it's benefited me a lot. And, and, on, on screen, there are things you can do that are high risk, you know, like do something uh, that involves some physical risk or where you have to look a certain way. And then, you know, voice acting. One thing I love about it and why I think that it's a great way to improve your overall acting is because um, you're relying 100% on your, on your voice to... Um, to get the performance across as opposed to when you're on screen and you know your um your body motions and your facial expression and things like that can go a long way toward um making the audience believe your performance um so i, I like occasionally you know well actually it's more than occasionally lately um since voice acting is primarily what i've been doing but i, I like the challenge of everything having to come from my voice as far as you know what's going to make the difference with the audience yeah and it, it is a challenge isn't it like you really need to use your voice to try and portray what the director wants you to portray like if the director wants you to portray an empathetic person you have to be able to train your voice and put it in a tone where it sounds empathetic 
And it's the same with, you know, anything like vice versa. If the, if the, if the director wants you to be, you know, have an action, if it's an action film you're doing, then you have to be able to have some sort of a, you have to be able to portray uh, like a, an action person or an action role character. So you're right. It does rely a lot in your voice and it's, it takes a lot of talent. And for those like, you know, for those of us like you and I who have that, it's pretty, no one should ever really take that lightly. I agree with you. Um, and furthermore, another thing that should be noted is that when you're on screen, uh, excuse me, when you're, um, when you're on a film set doing and um, doing a live action film, you've got your director to interact with one-on-one, but a vast majority of the time when you're acting a voice only role, um, what happens is that you don't have uh, any live interaction with your directors. You know, sometimes your director will send you tips and there have been a few times in which I did talk on the phone uh, and get a little bit of direction from the director. But most of the time, I just have, you know, um, emailed notes and, and that's it. So um, it, it calls for um, really you know, trying to read the screenplay carefully and understand the context of everything and understand your character. Um, and of course, another thing that's um, that's challenging about it is that much of the time when you act on screen, there are actors with you who you're interacting with, and it, actors can play off of each other. I've experienced that a lot in live act and live acting. In fact, the the better that the people I'm acting with are, the better performance I typically give, um, because if I um, believe their performances chances are that's going to make my performance more believable um so you don't you generally don't have that when you uh, do voice acting and so there's a lot of skill involved with it and you know um it i, I really admire the uh, people who put together cartoons and audio dramas and anything where it's voice only um because when you have a bunch of lines that were recorded separately by actors who in many cases have never met and you can make it all sound coherent like they're interacting with each other that's that's great it, it's it's a it's an amazing achievement absolutely and you know going back to what you said it's it's normal when you know when voice actors lay off of each other and all these things because you know you we rely on other artists or other actors to be able to do what we do essentially like i know for me if if i'm feeling you know if i if i'm feeling like the rest of the world so to speak doesn't understand you know what i'm going through as an artist artists like yourself will understand exactly what i'm going through creatively and sometimes mentally because you experience it yourself yeah, sometimes, and so you know, it's it's great to um to, to interact with uh, other um other artists, you know, other other actors, and you know, these last few years, I've gotten to the point where you know, many of my friends are people who I've I've met in acting, and you know, we all tend to be very expressive, emotional, um, 
idealistic people. And, you know, we have differences, you know, we're, we're very diverse people, you know, um, like for example, here in the Indianapolis area where I've resided the last 17 years, for whatever reason, a disproportionate uh, percentage of the filmmakers are black and you know, a lot of the actors too. That is awesome. And, <laughs> and so there are people who shout out to blacks. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there awesome. are a lot of, you know, a, a lot of the uh, black actors who I've gotten to know here in Indianapolis, we might have cultural differences, um, things like that, but we have this big connection that we have this way of expressing ourselves and, and that brings us together and is a lot bigger than any, you know, differences in our interests or our cultures or, or, or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. Like we are, that's how we get into this kind of stuff because we are very emotional. Yes. Um, we are very empathetic. We, we are empaths essentially because, you know, we feel other people's emotions. And I think, you know, when I created Robbie Riggs, you know, in my, you know, that character was, I was like in, in college, I was only 18 or 19 when I created him. And that's why I chose Robbie Riggs as my name on my podcast. And what I want my stage name to be is because Robbie Riggs is a more grown up version of myself. He is a more mm -hmm. grown up character of, you know, of myself. And my name for any of you who, for any of you who don't know it's actually robert but i don't i didn't want to use robert on my podcast because that's that is a very robert is he is very he's a very he's a child robert is still a child and robbie Riggs is a lot more grown up and he is he is he's been through a lot more than what you know the ordinary robert has and that's when I decided to use Robbie Reeves as my stage name because I feel that that character who I created, I can actually be in on, on my podcast and actually, you know, shed some light on those people who feel, you know, who feel emotionally broken, you know? Yeah, and I can relate to that because there are films, screenplays I've written where you know, um, one of the characters, typically the lead character, was based uh, based on me. Like, for example, I aspired to be a famous rock musician when I was growing up, and I wrote a screenplay titled '80s Metal Star," and the main character is what I envision I would have become had I become a rock star. Um, so, yeah, a lot of the times, um, the lead character is someone based heavily on me you know, someone who um, is, is in a situation that I never was in, but, you know, the character, you know, handles the situation how I think I would have, you know, had that happened to me in real life. Exactly. And this is actually a perfect time to talk about since we're on the topic of emotions. You know, some artists go through uh, very challenging times in their life. Some go through abuse, some go through mental health issues, some go through emotional abuse some go through trauma to get where they are and that's I don't want to say that's why every artist cho chooses the artistry field but I'm saying that more attracts people who have not been heard by quote unquote the normal society mm -hmm. um, I just want to ask you um, what 
what have you gone through? Because um, uh, before we recorded this, uh, everyone, he's, he, he said he was comfortable with it. So um, mm-hmm. just tell, just give us a little, just give us a, a snippet of how, what, like, what emotion, like how you were emotionally, what, what made you kind of go into this? What, what was the main attraction for you? Well, the main attraction to me was that, um, you know, I, I love the art of film. And yeah. I think one reason why I did not uh, go into it sooner is because after I went through a period where I watched a lot of movies in the late 70s and early 80s, um, I, I really got out of the habit of watching movies a lot in the late 80s and beyond. And I didn't, I didn't consciously think about the reason why, but I later realized that a lot of it is that I dislike what Hollywood started becoming. Um, the bigger budgets got, the lower creativity got, where everything was just, um, well, not everything, but a lot of the um, films were just based on special effects and glamour. And it had just gotten so far away from films that are primarily about the story and about the actors. Those are, you know, the, the story and the acting are the two most important aspects of a film to me. Um, so I, I love the genre, but as for, you know, then specifically, why did I go in, into it? Um, well, part of it was, you know, r- really, um, I started to, to discover the independent scene um, around the, the, mid, uh, the middle of um, the uh, 2000s. And I realized that there's a lot, you know, that I realized that the art of film can be, um, it can be a lot more than what the major Hollywood studios produce. And not everything the major Hollywood studios produce is bad, but the bulk of it is just off the assembly line. You know, movies that are technically excellent but that really, I think, lack heart a lot of times. Um, they're just very much like from, it's like, you know, a lot of them just cut from the same, you know, it's like make a movie by numbers, you know. Um, yeah. Just very predictable, very much by formula. Um, but when, when I started doing it, I also realized that it was an outlet for my emotions. And I had previously been a musician and I even released an album, and then I, I even released an album in the year 2000 under the name of the Lex Zorn Project, and so um, I um, I, I I felt that music was a great form of expression, and then I realized that film was a more effective um, method of expression for me. And I also, I also concluded that I'm better at it. You know, I had to work very hard to, um, to write songs, for example, uh, whereas acting just came so much easier to me. Um, and once I started doing it, I also realized that it was an outlet for a lot of emotions. And, you know, um, I haven't talked to a lot of actors about the kind of childhoods they had, but um, I know that a fair number of us did have troubled upbringings. I did. Um, you know, my, my parents divorced when I was nine years old and, um, I always had a shaky relationship with my father who I, in recent years, 
begun to think has bipolar depression or some sort of mood swing disorder that made him very hard for me to be around, especially a sensitive kid like me. And I always had this very high sensitivity and I was, I was shy when I was a kid for, for a lot of reasons. And I think a lot of it was that I just, I never felt secure. I, I did have a good relationship with my mother. Um, but, you know, um, coming from a broken home was, was tough. And, and then, you know, my mother, she, even though she did love me very much and was devoted to me, um, I went after she and my parents divorced, I went the last eight or nine years of my childhood, largely with no adult supervision, which was very detrimental to me because I've always had How a problem. How do you know what's right and wrong at that stage? I mean... What's that? I said, how do you know, like, what's right and wrong at that stage? You really, yeah, it, it, it was, it was a very, you know, I, I, I really drifted and wandered a lot. And, um, then I, I just found out nine years ago that, um, that I am mildly autistic and, you know, the not knowing that, and then going, like I said, nine years with, with little adult supervision, that just was a, a bad situation. So I, I really drifted and I, I was largely an unfocused person. And, you know, and I, I, I think because, you know, different people and especially my father had criticized things that I now um, recognize as being autism related. You know, I was, I really struggled a lot with um, insecurity and it's something I still do to some extent, even now at age 49. But I have uh, found over the years that very often pouring myself into a performance, it is um, a very powerful and effective way to express, you know, some of my deepest you know, sorrows or, or some of my greatest joys as well, or anything in between. And... I think it's for, for some of us, it can be um, a very therapeutic way to um, express things, you know, or an another example, like I, I remember, you know, um, one time when I was um, auditioning for a, a lead character and in, in this audition scene, the guy was having a profane shouting match with his wife. And I'm the type of person, I tend to be very gentlemanly. And often when, you know, I'm mad at somebody in an argument, I still try to be very polite about it. But this time, I think the, um, when I, when I auditioned for the scene, you know, shouting all the obscenities and everything, it was like a release of something that I had wanted to do to other people at different points in my life, but held back because I thought, thought it was wrong. And now all of a sudden that desire came out. Yeah. Um, and so that was, uh, that, that's, it was that time. That was a watershed incident for me because it's like, okay, now I know why so many troubled people go into acting, you know? Um, well, yeah. I mean, like they say, you know, if you don't let your emotions out, it, it it's just going to blow. You're just going to blow. It's just going to blow. And what, what year was that? Was that like in the olden acting days or was that like, uh, this was, this was 2012 when this particular audition took place. 
Wow. Wow. So yeah, I mean, it would be hard, especially if, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it would be hard if you were never really encouraged to really shout or yell because you are a very polite person. Even when me and you talk off air, you're very respectful. And it's hard for me to picture. I can understand where you're coming from, but it's hard for me to picture you getting flustered or, or anything like that because you are a very respectful, very respectful, nice man. So, you know. Well, I, I certainly try to be. And, you know, it, it's... um. You know, I mean, I'll, I'm not perfect, but, you know, I, I, get, I give up my best shot. I try to treat others the way that I want to be treated. And so, um, you know, and, and sometimes um, you know, when people act, they, um, they let out different emotions that they would not um, let out in real life. Like, for example, um, you know, I think about some of the, um, you know, um, you know, so, some of the um, best bad guy actors of all time have supposedly been very nice people in real life, oh, yeah. and and you know, and I, I wonder if the opposite is true. Also, I wonder if you know some of the best good guy actors are jerks. I don't, I don't know, but the the nice people who are convincing at bad guys, um, you just wonder if maybe that you know um is an outlet for them to reveal some kind of secret darkness i i don't know um it would be an interesting study it would but... be. i mean yeah like it makes you wonder like i know for a lot of kid shows some actors have been so troubled that they actually end up getting kicked off the, sh the, the show the kid show because they do illegal activity or they swear on camera or whatever they do. Well, and, like, sorry, go ahead. It's okay. You go ahead. Are, are you talking? To, are you talking about? Are you talking about child actors now? Well, yeah. Well, I, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, mm -hmm, pretty much. Well, well. I mean, that's 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 something a little bit different, I think, because a lot of children who go into acting, first of all, a lot of them are pushed by. Um, by manipulative um opportunistic parents um not all of them I, like for example i heard uh, barry williams who played greg on the brady bunch saying that he told his parents he wanted to go into acting and they encouraged it that's a different situation but you know for these kids who just push the, for these parents who push their kids into acting you know i mean okay like my kids have both done acting they're 16 and 15 but it's not the same situation because they did so in a situation where they were, you know, they, their mom and I were not expecting them to get parts to make a lot of money to make us rich. You know, these yeah. were um, small films made around Indianapolis that the kids were in because they wanted to be in them. Um, but a, a lot of the, the kids who grew up in Hollywood and they're around the big money and, you know, the, the drugs and all the temptations out there, yeah, they often end up very troubled. I mean, my favorite TV show when I was a kid was Different Strokes, which was a sitcom that ran here in America from 1978 to 86. And, you know, two of two of the three 
of the original three kids uh, who are regular cast members, two of them died young, and the other is still alive, but is well known to have had, you know, a long string of drug and legal problems. Though so he, Todd Bridges is his name for those of you who don't know, but he he seems to have gotten his life straightened out now. But you know, he had a really rough stretch for a long time, and but yeah, a, a lot of a, a lot of child actors end up very troubled with drugs and financial ruin and estrangement from their families it's very sad it is it is and the worst thing i think any parent or any person no matter if you're a parent a friend whatever the worst thing you can do is push someone into a situation especially a child where they're number one they're a child you know that's that's the most important thing they're a child they don't understand their limits yet yeah. they will say yes to 500 auditions when yeah they might not even be able to do 500 auditions but they will well, say it because they don't understand when to say no i mean i could be biased but from from what i've from what I've heard other people, you know, other people say about children, they don't have the brain capacity, especially if they're very young, to understand to understand maturity very well. Well, that's that's true. And then in addition, you know, it's also when you believe that your self worth is based on, you know, your success in acting. And I remember there was one guy. I don't remember who it was. But he talked about, uh, he was a, a former child actor who was speaking as an adult, um, looking, looking back at his career, and he talks about how it feels when you're 11 years old and you're told your career is over. It must, um, be, it must feel like you're, you're done, you're nothing. Yeah, and, you know, there have been some child actors who, um, well, like, for example, when I was a kid, there was a little sitcom uh, called Webster, and the um, main kid on the show um, who played the title character, he was a guy named Emmanuel Lewis. And, you know, but he, he had a very, you know, good, devoted mother. And sadly, the, the kid, by the way, he only grew to be about four feet tall. Um, so obviously, there were not going to be a lot of adult roles for him. But, you know, his mother, you know, she never let him get spoiled. She, you know, he never traveled in a limousine she you know drove him to and from the set every day and you know he did the show when he was a kid and then he, he went to college and you know had a regular life and you know um had a career in business so there there are some kids you know who are child actors who come from good families who do go on to live regular lives after their careers run out but uh, but there, there are you know there are plenty that don't sadly and um you know, I think a lot of it just depends on what kind of, um, of, of parenting they have. That, that's a very big factor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have, you know, very supportive parents like mine who don't force you into anything, that's good. But if you have parents who say, you better be an actor or else, that's when the passion is gone by that point. Because oh yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, forced into it, and that just puts, you know, that just makes acting. That just puts a bad name on the industry because 
I feel like people in society, especially, you know, during this whole pandemic thing, you know, for us voice actors, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's stressful, but it's not as stressful as people who, um, who are, who don't know anything about the creativity space. Well, you're, you're probably right about that. And, you know, um, life by itself is just, it, it's so unpredictable. There's so many things that, that can go wrong. Um, and, you know, I've seen that, you know, keep in mind, I'm, I turned 50 this year on December 14th. And right. this is, and this has been the most, you know, not in my life personally, but in the world around me, it's, it's been the craziest year of my life. And I think, you know, I think I'm a fairly well grounded person. You know, I, I am emotional and idealistic. Um, and you know, I, I call all the time for people to come together and especially with the, with the political situation being as crazy as it is here in America. Now, I don't know if it's quite as bad up there in Canada, but in America, because, you know, it's a a system dominated by two parties, you know, people tend to go on just one side or the other. And it's just, it's very, very divisive and, and it just keeps getting worse every year. Um, And, so, you know, I try, try to stay, I try to stay balanced and focused and level-headed and, you know, I, I always turn to film, you know, as, as a refuge. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, there are some people who just cannot handle a nine to five job. Well, I can handle it. I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's tough for some people. I, I've worked nine to five jobs for much of my adult life um to make ends meet it's just it's not my favorite way to go i would like to be able to make a living through films someday um you know it's very tough to do that in fact i believe that less than 10 percent of the people who are in sag sag aftra the actors union make any um um make a living exclusively through acting my brother is in sag is my brother is in sag after and he's never come close to making the living uh from acting he's just been scraping by the whole time he's been out there living in the los angeles area um so i've never even come i've never come close to it either but you know i've had a great time doing it and, and i always tell people you know who are interested in getting into acting um that extremely few of us ever become anything close to rich and famous. But I also tell them if having a long acting career, doing a lot of work, having a great time doing it is something that would appeal to you. Yeah. That's very realistic. That's very attainable. Exactly. And that's, that's with any like voice acting, music, YouTube, you cannot go into any of these things, podcasting, even you can't go into any of these art forms for the money you can't it's 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 not attainable it's it's very unlikely that people if i mean the people that have done you know youtube for example the people that have done youtube and made it successful and now make it their income have been doing it for years um well yeah and i mean also i mean how many people make a living off of a youtube channel you know um for every everybody like PewDiePie for example 
there are, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of people like me where it's just a hobby. Like my son, um, my son has an elevator channel on YouTube. Um, of course, my channel, having said that, my channel, you know, is just, it's just a combination of a lot of different things. I have a, a movie review webcast called Super Deep Movie Analysis, and then I make short films and primarily those two things are what I use my page for. Um, but I don't promote it heavily. I never had any, um, I, I've never even, you know, believed that I could reasonably make money off of it. And so it's not something that I've even tried hard at. I mean, I try hard at my channel, you know, I, I I'm serious about the short films and about the webcasts I make, but as far as, you know, aspiring to have my, channel is my career no i don't and i think that if you do go into any kind of entertainment medium um with the primary purpose of becoming rich there's about a 99.9 percent .9 chance you're going to be disappointed um if money is your main motive there's there, there are plenty of better ways to to do that you know um exactly. get a get a degree in some field where people tend to make a lot of money because um, most people, like I said, most people, even in the, um, in the acting union, don't make a living from it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to, for people who want to go into the industry to recognize that, you know, do it because you like it. You know, yeah. like someone just said, do it because you like it. Don't just go into it thinking I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be famous like Michael Jackson. No, those people, yeah. Michael Jackson, who got famous, they did it on a whim. What? What? Say it again. They did that on a whim. They did that basically. I mean, I could be wrong, but they didn't plan to become famous. Well, no. Well, Michael Jackson's father, Joseph, he did push his kids to become successful in music so he certainly had fame a as a goal but the point is that even people who worked super hard in it like the jacksons did there was no guarantee that they were going to make it um there are there are there are there are plenty of people who work very hard with the goal of becoming successful in music but don't that's right and those that do like they don't they it's not it was never their they didn't do it because they wanted to get famous. They did it simply because, like you and I, they liked it. And they just so happened to become, to make it big. And they were able to make a living off of it. But it's not impossible because, you know, we see guys like Megan Trainer and them become, you know, they're not, I don't know how, I don't know if they'd be millionaires, but they are pretty famous. So it's definitely not impossible. But it's not a good mindset to go into it thinking you are definitely going to get. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, like I said, there are a lot of people who aspire to it. And maybe there are some who aspire to it, you know, who do make it. But it, it's 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 very rare. And it just cause. I mean, part of it is, you know, having talent. But a lot of part, a, a big part of it is just having lucky breaks and then doing the right thing at the right time. Um, exactly. And, you know, for example, I go back when, when I was um, in high school and the big thing, you know, in rock music was the metal scene. 
and you know that was all about glamour and you know um guys with you know guys who wore a lot of makeup and put on flashy clothes and spent a lot of time you know getting their hair to, to stand up things like that and then there was a, there was a um a band you know a, a band from seattle called nirvana uh, which ended up being very short-lived. Their lead singer, um, Kurt Cobain, committed suicide in 1994. But in 1991, um, they came uh, along the turnpike. They wore, you know, um, very modest, you know, uh, they wore flannel shirts and, and jeans. Uh, they looked like they, you know, sometimes they, <laughs> or they, like, sometimes they looked like they hadn't even bathed recently. Uh, their music was very modestly produced. Um, it was very simple. Um, and people were so tired of the metal scene that they were ready to embrace this something that was the antithesis of it. And, you know, had the group come come around a couple of years earlier, a couple of years later, probably wouldn't have done much, but they just happened to, you know, come, come along at the right time. So the timing in music as well as in film really has a lot to do with it as well. Exactly. And also one thing I want to note is, and I've learned it for myself, in this industry, in the film industry, in the voice acting industry, you have to be able to network with a different Yes. Oh, yes. People, you know, you can't just depend on one person to make your dreams. I mean, if you want to make it a career, you cannot depend on one person to make that happen. Because if you only depend on one person, you know, that person could say, oh yeah, man, I'll help you, I'll help you. And they, and they just, they're, every time you need them, they're not around. I'm not saying they're not gonna help you, but you cannot depend on that person if they're not going to be around. Like, I know if I had not have reached out to the voice acting group and met you, who knows when I would get my first guest on I mean, you have, I have people that say, oh, yeah, man, I'll help you, I'll help you. But whenever you need them, they're just never around. They're always something always happening. So it's always important to be able to network and find other people because other that of that person that you met that other person could actually really help you in such a big way like you've done with me you know oh yes um networking in any aspect of entertainment is very important and it's one of the things that i emphasize the most strongly you know i've known um over these 11 years that i've been acting now a lot of people who are very talented and could have been very successful, but one of their, um, well, probably their biggest weakness is that they don't know how to market themselves and build a, a network. And it, it's just been, it's very, very detrimental to them. You know, you've got to be able to, um, to, um, you know, you've got to be able to reach out and get to know a lot of other people who work in the, in the industry. Um, and you know, I, I could um, I could sit here all day and explain why that's important. Yeah, go but, 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 for a few reasons. Okay, you certainly. Um, well, first of all, um, when when you know people, 
And, um, I mean, first of all, if, if you don't know people, um, if people don't know who you are, then you're, you're at a disadvantage, you know, r right off the bat. And what, what you need to do is um, establish a reputation. You know, um, people, you know, if people know who you are, you have an inside track. Um, like, for example, I think every significant film person within 150 miles here of my home knows who Lex Zorn is. Yeah. And it's yeah. because, um, you know, it's because I've been s such an active presence. I've been in so many films. I've applied for so many jobs and gotten to know so many people. So there are literally hundreds of film people here in this region who, who know who I am. And, you know, several times over the years, when uh, somebody had a casting need, sometimes, you know, on very short notice, I would get an unexpected call or email from a stranger saying that he was, you know, saying that I was recommended to him or her by somebody. And if I would be interested in this part. Um, and these other friends of mine who don't know how to market themselves, that never happens to them, not because they're not good actors, but because, um, you know, people don't know who they are. And... You know, so some and sometimes making people know who you are, it, it involves a lot of things that you don't want to do. Um, like, for example, um, you know, I spend, I would say, one to two hours a day, um, you know, going through uh, casting, uh, going through casting pages. And I spend several hours a week performing auditions. And I, I do enjoy auditioning, but, you know, I don't enjoy generally um, going through casting calls. Uh, it's a very boring, uh, tedious, um, sometimes annoying job, but but it does pay off. If, if I didn't do it, um, I'd probably not have, you know, more than 5% of the uh, career jobs that I do. Um, so I, I say... Um, you know, one of the reasons why I have had success in acting is that I've been willing to do a lot of very boring work. Absolutely. You have to, I think you have to get through the boring part before you actually get to the good parts. And anyone who, you know, for anyone who wants to know, how do you know who to reach out to? Well, first you have to talk to someone. For when you're asking Lex to be in the show, I talked to him personally first before I got to, before I made a deal with him to come on because I didn't want him to be one of these people. And I've honestly, man, I've been, because I'm blind, you know, people always like to take advantage of us, you know? And like, there, I've been, you don't know, you don't know, you, don't, you do not know how many people I've, been, I've met in my life who, say that they're going to help you, act all in, and then when the day comes and you really need them, they're never around. You know, I've, I've met many people like that. And those people, you know, even though they mean well, you need to be able to find someone who you can actually trust and who you can actually rely on. Because those people who say they're going to be there and they're never around, they could have intentions that are less than honorable. You know, they couldn't even know what their intentions could be. 
Well, yeah, and of course, and that's that's part of you know part of networking is establishing trust. You know, um, part of it is just getting as part of it is just getting to know people, but a lot of uh, a, a lot of it also is people understanding that not only are you a good actor, but you're someone who can be uh, relied on to um, to show up. And I always say, you know, people sometimes make a big deal about the length of my IMDb profile. Um, and, you know, what I point out is this, you know, that the length of my IMDb profile does not prove that I'm a great actor. Um, and now I, I think that some of my success has been from good acting, but I think a lot more of it, far more of it, has come through um, through persistence and through um, a professional attitude, having a good reputation. You know, my IMDb profile doesn't prove that uh, that I'm great at acting, but it proves that I'm serious about acting. Um, if if I weren't, I obviously wouldn't have managed to get in that many roles. You know, in a relatively short time. So people, you know, instantly know that you know, I, I'm, that I take it seriously. And obviously they know if I got hired that many times, you know, I must, you know, behave well on the set and be easy to work with. So, um, you know, got to, you know, and so, you know, you got to apply for a lot of jobs. And then, you know, when you work on films, you got to walk around, introduce yourself, get to know people and, and, then make sure that you do things ethically, you know, show up when you're supposed to show up and do a good job, listen to the director, treat other people on set the way you want to be treated. And if you do that, you know, things will work out for you. And I'll tell you, I have noticed that there are not a lot of ingrates who make films. In general, they tend to be very appreciative when you come through for them and they tend to remember that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, there are, like you said before, there are a lot of people who have such amazing talents and who have the nicest personality. But when you cannot rely on, on those people to come through for you, you immediately start doubting them. And, yes. you know, you immediately, if, if someone, that's why we, that's what I mean, that's what I mean, like, to telling, you know, telling you guys, like, you cannot just rely, if that one person that you rely on is reliable, that's great, you know, kudos to you, right, kudos yeah. to you for finding that one person, because they're going to make, but if that person who, you, just, you have to find, you just have to network and get to know other people from other countries, other parts of the world, and you know what? those people can actually teach you a lot more than though they might be able to teach you a lot more than the person that you originally hooked up with who you thought is going to provide you with the you know the 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 the, the resources you know the the people that you net that you network who and that you might be afraid to network with could actually be your best your best friends when it comes to making film choices or acting choices because you know you can have them. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, you know, it, it's uh, a lot of it comes to the decisions that people make and 
you know, and I am glad to help other people, you know, who maybe don't know about, uh, who maybe want to act, they, they're not real confident about the networking. I'm, I'm glad to help. But, and I, one of the most rewarding things that I do is that I, um, I serve as a mentor to actors and a wide variety of actors too, you know, ranging from little kids to senior citizens. You know, I mean, I know people who didn't start acting until they, until they were in their sixties and um, yeah, but you know, one of the great things about that craft though, is that unlike so, so many other crafts out there, I mean, this is something, you know, there, 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 there are things there for all ages. Exactly. Um, so exactly. It's, uh, there, there, there are a lot of things that, you know, I, I've learned over the years um, in, in the field and, um, you know, uh, the importance of marketing. I mean, that's one of the two or three most important things. And another thing that, that I point out, I mean, I, I don't want to um, de-emphasize the quality of one's acting because that, that, that is important, but it's important to remember that, you know, for people maybe who aren't confident, maybe they see like, maybe they've just watched like, you know, a stellar Oscar winning performance from Jack Nicholson or Marlon Brando and think, gee, I can never do that. Well, you know, maybe you could, maybe you couldn't, you, sh you shouldn't, you know, uh, set your sight too low. Um, but even if you can't, that doesn't mean you're not going to be an actor. It's important to remember that most acting roles do not um, necessitate being a um, being you know a stellar Oscar caliber actor. You know, for a, a great many acting roles, an average actor, you know, is good enough. Um, I mean, like you, for example, if if you want a job, if you want a role like Jack Torrance in The Shining, yes, that's one where you do need to have some extraordinary skill. But mo most roles, you know, um, most roles, the act, being a stellar actor is not necessary. And I mean, you should always aspire to be a stellar actor and give your best every time. But if you don't quite get there, that doesn't mean that you're, you're not still going to have a good career. So. For those who don't, for even myself, what is a stellar actor? Well, so some stellar just meaning outstanding, you know, you know, sharply skilled, um, you know, someone who's not merely good but but great. Um, it's just it's stellar is just a fancy synonym, you know. Right. Um, you know, it's um, you know, it's, it's 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 often used to describe someone who's really good, you know, um, someone who's the best of the best. So. Um, yeah, it's, um, you know, so people shouldn't, you know, just because like, you know, there are, there are um, monologues, for example. In my early years of uh, acting, I would memorize a lot of monologues from my favorite movies and recite them as auditions. And there were a few that I got to do, um, I thought, well enough to, to um, perform in auditions. And I haven't gotten roles with them. But then there are others that I, um, you know, I've never performed because I don't think I'm good enough at them. Like one of my favorite examples is the opening monologue from The Godfather where the character Bonacera speaks for 
I think he speaks for two minutes and 47 seconds without a break. And I, I have it word for word memorized, but I've never, never performed it well enough in private that I feel comfortable doing it for an audition. Um, it's, it's very challenging. Um, I mean, it, you know, it's, it's, you know, you've got to be a real stellar actor to do it. So, but, but I, you know, I, I, I still work at it though. And so, and, you know, you know, I, I've, I've heard it said that the um, only way to reach your potential is to try to exceed it. So, you know, I, I try to give Oscar caliber performances and I think, you know, I, I tend to fall short at that, but in, in the course of that effort, um, um, in the course of that effort, you know, hopefully I, um, it, it, it means that I end up, you know, fulfilling whatever my potential is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, one of the things that I noticed that happens um, with me is that sometimes, you know, people will, how do you, I mean, here, here's a question I'm trying to go. How do you feel about people who build you up, build you up, build you up, and then they pull you back down, essentially? Well, you know, of course, you know, I, I'm against it, of course. I mean, and, and uh, you know, I, one thing that I've um, learned over the years is that very few things damage a relationship, any kind of relationship, more than one person feeling let down by the other. And I've been on both sides of that. So I try to never raise expectations that I'm, um, that I'm not able to meet. So, um, and, and you know, when I, <laughs> oh, thanks. And, and when I, when I try to, um, um, get other people in film, I don't make lofty promises of lots of money. You know, it's more like just helping them to, to get more work, things like that. And, you know, and, and I've done that and, and I've, I've helped actors build their careers and, you know, and, you know, that's a great joy of mine. You know, I have a former classmate, high school classmate who I didn't know that well, you know, when we were classmates, but now I've gotten to know a lot better the last few years online. And, build a good friendship with her and she teaches I think fifth grade you know um down around our hometown of Madison Indiana and she recently made a post um in which she um wrote about you know how much her students mean to her and and, and I told her that even though I'm not a um even though I'm not a um teacher by profession like she is you know I feel the same way about the, the actors who I'm who I um who I mentor and you know it just means so much to me when, when I see them succeed absolutely absolutely and the one thing that I like about you is you don't yeah like you don't portray things that you're not able to keep and I thought that happened to me so much and not in just with, 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 with acting, but in my life where people have built me up, built me up, built me up to the point where I feel like I can conquer the world. And then they don't, they're, they're nowhere to be found. And yeah. it's, it's hard because 
when people build you up to that point and you, you know, when people build you up to conquer the world and they're not around, it almost feels like, are they faking it or are they, are they serious about, about this? You know, yeah. are, are they real or are they not real? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I understand completely. And I, I've gone through that too. And, you know, I mean, one example, I had, I've had this film, I, I first wrote, I started writing the screenplay back in 2009. It's called 80s Metal Star. And I, I had two producers who started to, um, to you know, who, who jumped on board with it. And then, you know, um, one of them backed out after he started filming, saying, simply saying that he wasn't the right guy for the job. And then the other one, um, the other one uh, just, um, you know, just never followed through on anything. And so and that, that, that was one, one of the, the, the main factors in getting me to buy a video camera and start to, you know, learn filmmaking myself. So I wouldn't, you know, be at the mercy of, of people. I think, I think, you know, based on my experience in life, I think that's kind of the worst you can kind of do is be at the mercy of somebody. It's good to yeah. find someone inspirational, but it's a totally another thing when you're on the mercy of that person because especially if they're not following children, but they say they're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, I, I, I try to never, like I said, I, I try to never raise expectations that I'm not able to meet and in, you know, try not to ever let anybody down. And I, I, I might fail at that sometimes, but you know, I certainly try not to. So well, this goes for both of us, man, because like you, I'm an empath. I feel emotion. I, Unlike you, I have an anxiety disorder, which thank the Lord you don't have because it's, it's painful, man. It's, it's, it's shit. It's the worst. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly second guessing yourself all the time. If you have, you know, if you had an anxiety disorder, you would be constantly talking about how you're never confident. You just wouldn't feel confident. And I think it's important for people like me who who do not like to let people down to hook up with people who have the same trait who have the same respect for the other person you know oh yeah 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 i and and i i'm the same way um you know and i've 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 struggled with confidence for you know much of my life and you know I've, I've overcome that to some extent, to a decent extent, you know, I, I, the example I use, I've reached the point, um, you know, I don't call myself a great actor yet. I still aspire to be right now. I think I'm a decent actor who continues to work hard and improve, but I have reached the point, even though I don't call myself great yet as an actor, I, I do call, I, I am. I am a confident actor, you know, um, I'm, I've reached the point where I now, you know, go into an, I now go into an audition, not afraid of making a fool out of myself. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, so. that's the, you know what, that's an actor's job is to kind of make a fool out of themselves sometimes. I mean, it depends what role you're in, but the way I see it, it's like, you know what, you have to make a fool out of yourself sometimes. Well, it depends on, 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 on the, the role, but you know, um, you know, there, there's sometimes when, um, so sometimes where it's just, you know, um, I, I absolutely, you know, I, I absolutely want to be taken very seriously. You know, and, and there, there are times when, you know, if it's a comedy role or something like that, um, it might be good. Or maybe sometimes when, you know, a, you know, a director likes to screw up of yours, which, which does occasionally happen. Um, so, you know, you got to be prepared for anything. I mean, I remember very early in my career, um, one of the first auditions I ever did was for a, uh, um, a horror comedy called Creeporia. And I, um, went into it, not, um, not understanding it was a comedy. And I, you know, maybe, I, I don't remember if the casting call mentioned that it was a, um, comedy or not. I just remember at that time, you know, I was very new to the craft and I was, Performing every audition that I could get my hands on, so I went to a um, a restaurant in downtown Indianapolis and I performed the audition and I walked away thinking that I had failed. You know, um, I didn't think I was terrible. I just didn't think I was very good. And then, you know, um, I got a call about three or four months later on the phone, um, telling me that I got the part. And you know, um, that must have that felt good. <laughs> What's that? That must have felt good. Oh, it, it did, yeah. And then um, later, um, finally, the, the, the film had a few delays. Finally, it was uh, filmed in November. And I walked onto the set the first night, and I knew that the director was named John Simper, but I'd never met him. He's, he's actually based in L.A. Um, and I don't know how he ended up making a movie in Indiana, in, here in Indiana. I never heard that story. But, you know, thankfully did. And, you know, then um, anyway, uh, and by the way, I believe it was his first live action film. He was, uh, he um, look, look him up, uh, John Simper on IMDb. He wrote a ton of um, kids cartoons back in the 70s and 80s. Um, and he, um, uh, but, but anyway, um, he, he came up to me um, and, you know, with this big grin int and introduced himself. And he told me that as soon as he saw my, as soon as he saw the videotape of my audition, he knew I was the guy he wanted. So, um, you know, and the, the, what, what he told me was that he just thought it was hilarious that, you know, that this was a comedy and that I, I performed my audition super seriously. He thought that made it funny. Um, so, um, you know, maybe he saw me as, a, you know, someone speaking of Canadians, you know, with a Leslie Nielsen type delivery. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how familiar you are with Leslie Nielsen. Um, no, I never, is it a guy or a girl? Uh, it, it's, it's a guy. He, he was, uh, I believe he was from Northwest Territory. Um, but he, you know, he, he died, I think 2011. But he was, um, he had an interesting story. He, he acted in dramas, 
you know, from the late 40s on to the late 70s. Um, and then finally in 1980, he um, starred in the movie Airplane. Um, and, you know, which is just, you know, um, one of the one of the most famous comedies of all time. And his character in that movie had this, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's a word for it, but he would, you know, they would give him the most, he, he played a medical doctor and he had some just utterly ridiculous lines, but he, he delivered them all with just super seriousness, which is what made it funny. And then that completely changed his career. And then he started doing um, a lot of, you know, comedies the rest of his career with, with the same kind of humor and just, you know, made a career out of it. And because of that, it's really funny now when you go back and watch his dramas because, you know, when he's saying something serious, you know, you, you just have this idea that, you know, there must be something funny behind it, e even if there's not. Yeah, he has that vibe. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he's, um, yeah, he, he, was, he was very great at, you know, playing at, you know, um, just um, giving super, super serious delivery to, um, you know, um, some of the most ridiculous dialogue imaginable. And he's, he's just very funny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me when you were talking about LA and you kind of brought it up earlier in our conversation too, but the thing, um, it's, you cannot move out to, you know, a lot of people think like, you know, if I move out to LA, I'll be, you know, especially if they're getting into the voice acting field or the film field, you know, if I want to move out to LA, I'm going to be the most famous person ever because it's LA, but that's just not meant to be, is it? Um, about, about 99.99% of the time. No. Um, and I mean, my brother, like I said, my, my brother's been out there, um, 20 years, uh, 21 years now, and he's probably had more success than about 99% of the actors out there. And, and he's still scraping by, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, you've got to, you've got to really, you know, um, you've got to get lucky, first of all. And, and then, you know, um, unless you get some super high paying role, you know, you, you're um, probably going to have to just be working all the time to, to even be comfortable out there. When you say all the time, you mean night shifts? <laughs> no, what, what I mean is just like getting regular acting gigs constantly. Um, just to, to be a very, very busy actor, to have a chance to make a living out there in Hollywood. Exactly. It's, it's very hard. I mean, I don't know how, like, I don't know how people did it, but they probably were lucky with Ryan Seacrest and I'm probably lucky when they did it. Well, Ryan Seacrest, I mean, obviously, I mean, he's, he's talented. I, 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 I like him, but there, you know, had to be some degree of, of luck for him to, you know, be in the positions that he's been in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, I guess my, I guess the last thing I really want to ask you is, 
what's next for you, man? Like, what do you have? What do you have planned? What's next? And what can we look forward to? Well, you know, um, obviously it seems like every week I have at least three or four new uh, voice acting gigs. So there's plenty coming up. Um, as far as Canadian stuff, um, I, I, I voice one of the main characters in a new upcoming, um, upcoming um, um, web cartoon series called The Borders, which was made uh, by a friend of mine. I believe he's based in Nova Scotia. In fact, hopefully, you know, I can hook him up with you for a future episode. His name is uh, uh, Lance Muse, and he previously uh, created another cartoon series that I um, had a main role in um, called Psycho City. Now, all the episodes are on YouTube. So, um, yeah, there are. Um, oh, and then another thing um, that that I hope everybody will check out. There's also a new um, web series um, on the. Uh, it's well, it's a, a docudrama on the Civil War. It's called In Their Own Words, and it was actually made by a Spanish a, a Spanish guy named Abraham Chin, um, who had moved to America and was living in Virginia and started visiting a lot of the Civil War battlefields and got a, you know, he developed a really big interest in the war. And uh, anyway, it's a 26 episode, approximately 13 hour uh, miniseries. And I, I um, narrate that and it's, you know, the, the biggest, yeah, as far as volume of work, it's the biggest job I've ever gotten. And it's very, very rewarding and very rewarding and educational to me. And besides that, you know, um, I also um, have some uh, live action uh, films coming up. Um, while a lot of things were shut down over the last few months, my son and I made um, uh, we made 19 short films together for various contests. Um, and now that things are starting to reopen um i'm ready to use the experience we made with those shorts to start making live action feature films and i'm, I'm looking forward to uh doing that you know in the very near future uh so yeah you know i uh i i always say you know i'm not happy unless i'm on a film set and right now i'm not on a film set so i'm in a very bad mood but uh <laughs> I, expect to be in a, I expect to be in a good mood a lot this year. Yeah, that makes both of us. That makes both of us, you know. Um, and, you know, for anyone, like I said, for anyone who wants to really get into this field, please, you know, just, like I said, you don't need any form of education. You don't need much of anything. You just have to be willing to work hard. And yes. you just have to be willing to put the time and willing and not, like I said, not rely on one person. You have to sort of network. And, you know, honestly, man, like I cannot thank you enough for the support you've given me over the time that we met and got connected because I didn't even know any of this stuff about acting. I didn't know a lot of, I mean, I knew that it was one thing, but, you know, hearing it from someone like you really opened my eyes to there are tricky parts 
there are parts yeah. that are not that fun and this is how you know but it's it's really important and you know i feel like whoever listens to this is really gonna really gonna be empowered because you just have so much words of wisdom and you know i can't thank you enough for joining me here today on on, 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 on my show this was this was fantastic well th- thanks so much for saying so i'm glad glad you feel that way and you know i certainly had a great time doing the interview and i'll be glad to come back anytime um a- as your guest anytime you want to have me just let me know and hopefully we'll be voicing some kind of uh, film together in the near future also uh, absolutely absolutely all right everyone thanks so much for joining me today and uh i'll see you soon peace <laughs>